sick of being upsold at gyms? My guy, you're currently a base member. For $90 more, I can upgrade you to our Shred membership. For $130 more, you'll be a Swole member. And for just $300 more, you'll reach Sweat Platinum. At Planet Fitness, you'll get energy without the upsell. Never pushy, always free fitness training and equipment for every workout. It's fitness that fits your budget. Join Planet Fitness for just $1 down and $10 a month. Cancel anytime. Deal ends Friday, May 10th. See Home Club for details. Neil Snacks. Good morning, Neil. Good morning. Good, Good morning. morning. Good morning, uh, sir. Two quick, two quick questions. Um, I have a I live up here, Kerrville. I live on a rocky ledge. You got about twelve or fourteen inches of, of soil in my yard. Um, what kind of top dressing can I put on that lawn to uh, uh, try to conserve uh, the, the moisture and so forth, and and feed the, soil, the grass a little bit? Well, you're you're going to do two separate things. You're going to put down a good organic fertilizer, whether it's Medina or Maestro Grow or Nature's Creation, um, and then uh, to top dress it, just use pure compost. There's no reason to add anything else to it, especially at this time of year. Half an inch of compost is going to make your grass more drought tolerant. It's going to um, increase microbial level activity in the soil. It's going to suppress weeds. But compost doesn't really have a lot of nutrient in it. So best of all worlds, put down your fertilizer first, put a thin layer of compost on top of it, and you should have the prettiest yard you've ever had. Okay. Now, second thing. I've got three possum hall hollies, and yep. they are just loaded. Mm-hmm. Uh, how can I uh, propagate those uh, uh, and give them to other people. Uh, they're such a beautiful uh, plant in the fall, and you, uh, they're just loaded, and they'll be loaded till the cedar wax wings <laughs> come through, and they will get every one of them. And they take every berry off of them and poop all over the place like you wouldn't believe. But um, Well, they, they, they fertilize in the place. There you go. <laughs> there you go. Well, possum haw is almost always propagated through cuttings because when you make a cutting – you are getting exactly the same genetics as the plant itself has. You grow them from seed, the and, and they're separate sexes. All the possum haws you're seeing with the beautiful berries are female plants because they're the ones that make the berries. You grow them from seed, about half those seeds are going to be male plants that will never make berries, and half the ones that do make berries, the color will vary from kind of pale and washed out to extremely you know, intense, and you have the opportunity with your own plants and other plants around this year, pick the prettiest, the darkest colored. Some of them are going to be orange. Some of them are going to be red. Uh, take the, you know, the, the plants that you like best. You're, you're getting started a little late. We should have had this discussion in October because that's when most of your commercial growers start the cuttings of the woody plants. But since they haven't started leafing out, go out and, uh, you know, strip the berries on the, on the limbs you want to propagate but take little cuttings about four inches long start those or start by soaking those cuttings in a mixture of liquid seaweed and water maybe add a little garret juice to it soak them for about 30 minutes or so then take a pot or as many pots as you like fill them with straight perlite the white volcanic material you can probably put 50 cuttings to a pot push them where they're about halfway in the perlite halfway up above Keep them in a place that's shaded. Keep them watered. You cannot keep them too wet. Uh, the commercial guys would have them on a mist bench where the misters are coming on 15 times a day. And you should have at least a percentage of them root. 
Uh, if you had done this in November, I used to work for a nursery in Dallas where I was responsible for about two million cuttings a year. So I've I've rooted a few little woody cuttings, and um, we starting them in November. We'd get about eighty five to ninety five percent. This time of year won't be quite that high, but you'll at least get a bunch of them started. Uh, you can do even more of them next fall, but but do it from cuttings rather than planting the seed because you're basically guaranteed that you'll have a plant as pretty as the one you're taking the cuttings from. Make sense? Yes, sir. I'll tell you what they and, and it you never see those plants till the, till the fall when the leaves come <laughs> off and you realize that how many of them are scattered around. Oh yeah. It yeah, beautiful. they are absolutely yeah. gorgeous. They are. They're basically a deciduous yopon is what they are. They're actually botanical names. I like decidua, which just means, you know, without leaves or deciduous. And uh, from South Texas all the way up through the hill country, all the way a pretty fair distance east, they are they're my some of my favorite plants in the fall and winter months because just out in that sea of brown grass and uh, other things you've got these little just berry covered red plants out there i think it's one of the most underused plants uh anyone out there listening who's going to the nursery to buy them uh you will find orange varieties and red varieties my favorite of the named varieties is one called warren w-a-r-r-e-n warren red and uh again i think it's a plant everybody should have more of but You've got beautiful ones. Get a bunch started and share with your friends. Spread the spread the beauty around. I'm going to do it, and uh, I imagine those trout are waiting for you up there. <laughs> They're under about six inches of ice. I I've gone up there a time or two in the winter and fished for them through the ice, and uh, let's just say I like it much better when it's seventy degrees than when it's seven degrees. So, <laughs> yeah, that's right. <laughs> hey, you get out and have a great weekend, Neil. Thank you very much. My pleasure. Thank you, sir. (laughs) Goodbye. We start with Anna. Good morning. Good morning. Good morning. How are you today? Uh, I got a coughing spell. Well, uh, we've all had a little bit of that this winter. Your time, because I know it's limited. But how do I... I I have a couple of papaya plants in a five gallon can, and I want to get them out of there and put them, uh, you know, put them in another can once, separate them. When do I do it, and how do I feed them? Well, I wouldn't try to separate them. They can grow fine, grow them pretty close together, and I'm really afraid. How tall are they, Anna? Uh, They're about 18 inches tall. Okay, at this stage. If you want to divide them, you can. Do it immediately, and you're just going to take them out of the pot. You're going to wash all the soil away. You're going to separate the roots gently and then repot them immediately. But you don't have to do that. If you want to leave them growing together in the pot, they're going to grow just as well, even if they're even if they're pretty close together, holding hands, as it were. So uh, that is totally up to you in that five-gallon pot. They could stay there for another 30 to 45 days before they really need to go into a bigger pot, and that would make it a lot easier to move them in and out if we do get more cold weather. So if they were mine, I wouldn't do a thing to them for about another four to six weeks. At that point, I would uh, repot them up into a 15-gallon container, 
corner, and you can probably grow them up to where they have papayas without growing any bigger than that. Uh, if you want to feed them, get a good liquid fertilizer. Uh, Medina, of course, makes has to grow. Espoma makes a good liquid. Just fish emulsion. Uh, any of those things will work well for you. Just be feeding them about every two weeks and uh, get ready for some real good eating later this summer. Okay. Uh, now, I have a lemon tree that uh, had some new uh, uh, sprouts during uh, last year. Okay. Uh, but then when we had that freeze, that early freeze, mm-hmm. it froze. Uh, I mean, a bunch of those uh, limbs over there are, look like they're dead. So I just trim them. Is that, uh, would I be safe in just trimming them or wait until you see they sprout up? Now, these all came out at the top of the plant, right? Not down at right. the base? Yeah. Yep. Uh-huh. What, what I do in some case like that, Anna, is I don't trim until the new spring growth starts because you can look at those limbs and you can guess how far back they've frozen. But if you wait until the tree starts to bud out, till it starts to make new leaves, it's going to come out at a given point and anything beyond that point is going to be frozen. It tells you exactly where to prune it back when you wait for the new growth to start. Otherwise, otherwise you're just guessing at uh, you know how far back it froze. So, again, put those pruning shears away for another couple of weeks. When it starts making some new green buds, then just pick your way through it, and, and anywhere that's beyond where the green's coming out, that's dead tissue, and just prune away. But uh, you're just you're anxious for spring. But uh, both of those questions, I'm not going to be taking any real action on them for another uh, few weeks. Okay. Now, um, and I, I I know it's it's getting little flowers, little buds already for mm-hmm. to make new lemons. Right. Um, it's a Myers lemon. Right. Uh, now the the next question is the persimmon. I have a huge persimmon tree that's about twenty five to thirty feet high. Uh huh. Yeah, I get, uh, uh, being myself, uh, I cannot eat the amount of persimmons that are produced. Uh, I think last last year I had about three or four bushels. Right. Uh, and they're huge. Yeah. So I, uh, I had somebody come and pick them up. I said, just give me a little basket and you can have the rest. So, but everybody says, well, I'd like to have a, a persimmon tree like this. Mm-hmm. So. How can I get a persimmon tree like that? It's an oriental persimmon, but it doesn't have any seeds. Right. Tell them to go over to Phoenix and buy one. <laughs> <laughs> it, it Truly, you know, if they wanted to get a seed from another variety, uh, some, some of the uh, Asian persimmons have seeds, some of them don't. The only way they could have another tree exactly like yours would be to graft it. Uh, and uh, quite frankly, for the time and effort involved, persimmons are slow growing as they're starting out, but they are really slow growing when you're trying to grow something and then graft it. So anybody that really loves it, you know, tell them to uh, tell them you gave them fifty dollars worth of free persimmons. So tell them to More go spend forty. I tell you what, the, at the price that these persimmons yep. are at the store. I'm giving them thousands of dollars. (laughs) And they can go over and spend a little of their own money. Fanix has them in stock. We have them in stock at Shades of Green. Most good nurseries will have those good Asian persimmons in stock. And this is one place. What what your plant is doing, what is called parthenocarpy. It's making 
wonderful fruit without any seeds in there. And, um, you know, it's just uh, people just really need this is one case where it would be very difficult for you to make any more plants from it. So tell them all that money they save buying it just to go out and buy themselves a uh, persimmon tree and get two or three different varieties. Uh, yours. I tell you what, the, I feed the birds, the squirrels. Uh, my relatives, my neighbors. <laughs> and, I, I and, mean, and, this poor little tree, I have not given it any attention. I mean, I stuck it in the ground, and it has just grown and grown and, and produced so much. And it's but, like a like a tree covered with little jack-o'-lanterns every Halloween as well. Right. Okay, the next question is, um, I have a yard, and as you get older, you're not uh, able to do as much as I used to. Sure. So consequently, I used to uh, grow um, uh, wild seed. I throw wild seed flower, uh, seeds out in the mm-hmm. front and blue bonnets and all that. But uh, people started reporting me to code compliance because I had weeds out of my front yard. Well, tell them you, they don't get any more of your persimmons. <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, no, they don't. Uh, but anyway, uh, now I have a beautiful green yard, but it is full of weeds. I mean, it is covered with weeds. So uh, what? Uh, I, I don't want to put any uh, weed killer. Oh, of course not. Of course not. You know, earlier, a month ago, you could have probably mowed it, Um because your wildflowers would not have been up very tall and that's what we have to do in that situation is just mow early before the wildflowers really begin to sprout other than that you know at this point your larkspur is probably already eight inches tall your blue bonnets may be you know forming the plant that's actually going to give you flowers so uh uh you maybe you just need to put a sign out in your front yard that says these are not weeds these are wildflowers and put a big exclamation beyond it and I don't know if code compliance has enough brains to read it, but maybe the people well, that call them. Well, I tell them, code compliance, I says, you know, it's against the law to cut wildflowers. There you go. And he says, well, we'll come back. I says, you come back. But, uh, you know, and so consequently, I have to reseed my front yard every every year because I do not leave the plant sure. long enough uh, to form, you know, a mature seed. Right. But I tell you what, it's very good to have those things in there because when I pull them up, it kind of, um, um, uh, the dirt, it, you pull up the weeds and the, the, the plants and all that, and that way I don't have to be digging holes or raking the yard because sure. it gets air in there, you know. Well, maybe what you should do is grow some wildflowers in your backyard, too, where code compliance can't see them, and then you can go, you know, things like poppies. I mean, they make a uh, 100 oh, seeds for every. Plant. Oh, yeah. they're beautiful. You throw, uh, I have wild uh, blue bonnets, mm-hmm. and then I, I mix them up with some of the California poppies, sure. you know, the red poppies. Right. They are gorgeous. And, <laughs> and you know what? If people don't like them, they can go somewhere else. There you I'm go. You anyway, keep it. I, I think I have, uh, what can I do to get rid of the weeds? Uh, there's not much of anything you can do because, you know, what's the difference in a weed and a wildflower? It's, uh depends on how much you like it. And unfortunately, anything that hurts those weeds is going to hurt your wildflower. So I'm going to tell you next year, try to mow the weeds off early or, you know, a lot of your now blue bonnets. No, they're going to be green from about October on, but a lot of different 
wildflowers like larkspur, like coreopsis, like uh, oh, many of your melampodiums, and uh, even the horse mints, they don't have any green foliage on them in the winter months. So early, early, late winter, early spring, you can get out and spray with that vinegar and orange oil, and you will kill all those little dandelions and winter grass and other things, and that will not hurt your wildflowers that haven't sprouted yet, but you've got to do it before those wildflowers start. So you're probably going to be doing this early January, mid-January, and you're just going to have to work around the blue bonnets that are already green. But that's going to be the best you can do because uh, weeds and wildflowers grow at a lot of the same time. The weeds typically sprout a little earlier, which means that you can use your vinegar and orange oil on them, but um, it's always going to be a little bit of an issue. Okay, well, I guess you have given me all the information there. The cornmeal. Can Uh I go to the store and just get a can or a package of cornmeal and throw it out there it'll be cheaper to go to a nursery if you go to the store and look for either whole ground or stone ground because the uh the cornmeal they sell you for making masa or you know cornbread or anything else they call it enriched cornmeal they've actually taken away all the good stuff and put part of it back you want just the old plain old ground up corn and uh, and HEB is probably going to sell that under the name of Stone Ground. Uh, one of your you know uh, natural grocers or somewhere they're probably going to call it Whole Ground. But if you go to a feed store or something like that, just tell them you want not corn gluten meal, but just corn meal or corn chops, uh, and you'll get it at a much better price. I see. I thank you for all the information. That oh yes, one more thing. Uh, you have a program for animals. Uh, uh, yes, because it starts at 11 o'clock with Dr. Kirby. It's his program, not mine, but I have the pleasure of sitting in with him and pushing the buttons and uh, sharing some conversation. Is it the, to get through there, is it the same number? It is exactly the same number. You call during the 11 o'clock news, and that way you'll get a line before they fill up. Okay, again, thank you. Thank you, thank you. <laughs> thank you, Anne. It's always good to talk to you. All right. Well, we've got to jump around a little bit on the time log up there to get these calls in order. It's going to be George and Doreen and Jerry and Reese in that order. I do know we start with George. Good morning, George. Good morning, Bob. Morning. Uh, you were talking yesterday about the dung beetles. Uh, right. Uh, I realize that the dog food is a, is got a lot, a lot of uh, grains and stuff in it with 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 introducing those um, do anything to help with the dog pen litter well I can tell you <laughs> it's uh, my my business partner has always had bigger dogs and never has any dog poop around whatsoever the dung beetles she has she has one of the greatest colonies of dung beetles I've ever seen and um uh it is uh yeah dung beetles will take care of uh of the dog excrement very effectively you have to be careful uh that you're not giving your puppies a veterinary wormer you probably aren't unless you have a problem and right. if your dog does have a, a basically a roundworm problem um 
and uh, and your vet tells you you need to use something for it, at that point you probably should uh, try to walk them in a different area or something like that because uh, the ivermectin is the thing that is in most worming products that is very deadly to the dung beetles, and unfortunately right. it's the reason that many people don't have them. And, and there are lots of different species of dung beetles, and without getting into too much of a scatological discussion, uh, different ones like different poop, to put it uh, frankly. and right. uh, But yes, there are dung beetles out there that will do an amazing job of uh, cleaning up your, your dog feces. Uh, any place you can think of that I might be able to get some? Besides going out to a ranch and just... Quite frankly, <laughs> I would I would look around, <laughs> and people may think you're crazy, and maybe you are crazy. I, I think it's a good way to be, but uh, keep an eye out, and uh, you know you'll see these little beetles. They're about the size of uh, the fingernail on your little finger, and simply right. scoop up and collect some of them and transfer to your yard. You can probably go online. I know there are companies that actually sell these things, uh, but um, you uh, they're out there, and I, I really can't tell you how to find them other than looking. But once you see them, you know, they're just fascinating little things, how they take it and roll it into a ball, and two of them will stand there together. Some of them rides on one of them, rides on top and kind of steers it, and the other one stands up and pushes sure. it along. It's you know one of those things that, that people, who don't study nature really miss out on some interesting things and i think oh, yeah. it's interesting well, I, and but anyway yeah i saw them i saw them for years i farmed in ranch sure. with my dad for like 25 years and 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 saw them working but uh never did think much about it one way or the other yeah uh one other thing that maybe run this by you i've got a a mount laurel that has come up from under a uh a masonry uh, post. The post is like 30 by 30 mm-hmm. square and, and five foot high, and it's grown up underneath it, and it's tilting that post. It's four inches from a steel post at the bottom, and it's eight inches at the top. Uh-huh. And I, uh, do mouse laurels have uh, uh what I was thinking about was taking and saturating the soil and then putting a, a chain around the base of that mouth laurel and, and with a winch and see if I could pull it out mm-hmm. to uh, resolve the tilting problem. I don't know whether yeah, the that mountain- would be... Uh, the mount laurel won't. Or not. The mount laurel won't survive that. Uh, mount laurels no, have. No, well, at this point, the post is more important than the mount laurel. <laughs> yeah, it. Uh, you know, it's. Uh, you'll do the same thing to just cut that mount laurel off at ground level, and uh, you can drill some holes down into the stump that's left. You can put saltpeter, potassium nitrate in there to make that stump rot away more quickly. I just worry that trying to pull it out you're going to do more damage to that post than the mountain laurel has already done and since we're not going to be able to save that tree to plant somewhere else i think you'd save yourself a lot of work and effort to just you know get out there very carefully 
and um, rather than rather than risk busting up a, a chainsaw chain, uh, get a reciprocating saw. We call them sawzall. That just happens to be right. one brand yeah. of them. That's what sure. I'd be out there working around to cut that thing off. And uh, like I say, and then if you want to speed up the decomposition of the stump, you can do so. But uh, don't don't go to the effort of trying to drag it out with a tractor. I think you'll do more damage than trying to uh, solve a problem. Okay. Well, good. I'm. I... Knew you would be a good source to bounce ideas off of. So, uh, thank you for the information on on both items, and hope you have a good day, Bob. Good luck on the dung beetles. <laughs> we'll Thanks. talk again, George. Thank you, sir. All right, back to the phone calls. It is Doreen, Jerry, Reese, and Et, and uh, Doreen is up first. Good morning, Doreen. Hello. Uh, so I have two questions. Actually, one question. I have a peach tree. Yes. I bought a house recently, and the peach tree last year, spring, it produced a lot. It produce, it's really good producing. Good. And we picked the first uh, batch of fruits, and they were awesome and really good. But in, uh, after about two weeks, all of the fruits were infested by this bug. So you cut it, and there are all these bugs inside. So we couldn't eat anymore, and they all went to waste. So just wondering, what should I do to prevent that from happening? Was the the meat becoming sort of uh, brown and almost rotten? Yes, okay. and, and you actually find the bugs in there crawling. Well, there there are two things that happen. Some types of peaches and for and uh, sam houston is bad about it that variety get a fruit rot uh in other cases uh you can get uh little insects lay their eggs and there'll be little worms that actually get into the peaches so we've got two different things going on there um uh-huh. if you will you can make um sort of a a corn water tea take the whole ground cornmeal that we talk about soak it in soak it in water overnight and then use that liquid to spray your peaches every couple of weeks uh after they get up to be about the size of golf balls spray every couple of weeks and that will take care of most of your fruit rot problems now I find that as long as you have the root flare exposed, I keep a pretty good mulch around my trees, and I rarely have any of the worms inside of the peaches. So uh, if you if you have a problem with the worms in the peaches, there is a very safe spray, which uh, is called BT, Bacillus thuringiensis. Spray that about once a week on your peaches, and you will have many fewer worm problems but like i say if you if you have a good mulch and if your trees are not planted too deeply the worms will be less of a problem i think more likely you have a variety perhaps sam houston that gets the fruit rot and uh just soak the cornmeal in water use that liquid to spray it uh, maybe every couple of weeks through the growing season and your peaches should remain good and edible for a much longer period of time so what interval should I spray the BT and the cornmeal uh, if I have to do? Because I, see, I probably have both problems. Well, you can mix them together. Oh, I can? Okay. Yeah, soak your cornmeal in water. And if you put your cornmeal in a sock or some old pantyhose or stockings or something like that, that way you mm. won't have to strain it. Soak your cornmeal for, for oh, 12 to 24 hours. Then uh-huh. pull the corn out. Add the BT to it and spray, and uh, they won't have any interaction at all. Okay, and where can I get the BT spray? Any any good nursery will have it. What part of town do you live in? 
I live in Hiloti, San Antonio, Hiloti area. Um, you can probably find it at the uh, newest Stone and Soil Depot over there where Old Fertile Garden Supply used to be, 1604, yeah. just south of ba- about three miles south of Bandera Road. Call first, but I think they'll probably have it there. If not, go on down Bandera Road to Rainbow Gardens, and they should have it there for you. All right. Thank you so much. I really appreciate it. It's my pleasure, Doreen. Thank you for the call this morning. Uh, bye. Uh, okay, bye-bye. All right. Uh, let's see. Next up is Jerry. Good morning, Jerry. Good Good morning. Um, we have a Bermuda grass lawn. Okay. And and now we have a clover lawn. Uh-huh. So is there anything we can to spray on the clover to get rid of the clover but not damage the grass? Your grass is still brown, isn't it? Yes. You can mix up your vinegar and orange oil. Take a gallon of strong vinegar, add two okay. ounces of orange oil to it, and get out and, and spray. And you'll dishwash, folks. So. Yeah. That that okay. will kill that will kill back. It won't totally kill, but it will burn the foliage back on the clover without hurting your Bermuda at all. Now realize the clover is just telling you that your ground has really gotten hard packed. So it would be a good idea to add a little bit of compost or start spraying with Medina Plus or something like that to uh, soften the soil because the the clover is kind of your indicator that your soil is getting awful hard and you need to help out on that. But if you want to get rid of the clover, this is you've got to do it before your Bermuda greens up. But uh, this is certainly a time you can spray your vinegar and orange oil. Right? Yeah, it's it's all uh, it's all still brown all over. And will it do anything to those? I call them thistles. Oh, yeah. Yeah. It'll do those, too? It will. If they're not too large, it will. Once they get really large. They're not flowering. Yeah. No, you should be able to kill those with the same spray. If they're really big, you almost have to get out with a grubbing hole and give them a chop. Right, and chop them out. But if they're small, that spray will take care of the dandelions, the winter grass, the clover, the henbit, all those winter weeds. Okay. And we've got some of the what you said <laughs> so do i <laughs> yeah. okay thank you so much you're Bob. welcome jerry thank you and now it's Ree's turn good morning Ree's. oh good morning bob thanks for taking the call thank you for calling yeah i have three quick questions my okay. roses you know the knockouts are blooming uh-huh and i have other roses like imperial chrysler yeah they have a lot of buds on it so shall i trim them it's up to you uh, Chrysler Imperial is an old grafted rose. If you're right. going to prune any of them, that one would be the one to prune, but probably not as far back as usual. Your uh-huh. knockouts do not have to be pruned at all, and because oh. they're already in bloom, there's no reason to prune those. It doesn't help them. It just makes them smaller. Correct. Okay. And my other question was uh, in regards to... Oh, one moment. <laughs> okay. I forgot. I, I I always write down the notes. Oh, my vegetable garden. Is yes. it time now to plant the tomatoes? I think it's a little early. Uh, uh-huh. We're supposed to be back in the 30s in about 10 days. So I'm I'm starting my tomato seeds, but I'm not putting them out quite yet. If you're yeah. a gambler, you can put them out and then plan on. Hopefully, we won't have any more real cold weather. But uh, I think you're chancing it. I'm. Uh, uh, the groundhog may say spring's coming early, but it's not here yet. Yeah, but you know, normally I buy them at the store, right? So I can keep them indoors and then sure. plant them. And you can there. even you can even plant them up into a little bit bigger pot, and that way you'll have bigger plants to set out in the garden and nice, healthy plants. 
That's true, because I can't wait to have my homegrown tomatoes. <laughs> I love them. <laughs> you and me both. Yes, thank you so much, Bob. Always That's a pleasure, Reese. Thank you. Bye-bye. Goodbye.